a Steve Mathis production. Check it out, Pulp MX fans. We're proud to announce iPhone users can now get the official Pulp MX app from the App Store and have archives, show drops and technical info, stories, and even exclusive bonus Pulpcasts not available anywhere else. As always, use the Mathis code at btosports.com. And when buying from Amazon, click the banner on pulpmx.com to show your support. episode of the Steve Mathis show there is a high chanceability you will either learn something a lot of people don't know you left thinking or make you say to yourself dude that's so funny the bottom line is this podcast serves as archival documentation of this interview welcome to the racer x podcast show brought to you by btosports.com hosted by Steve Mathis Welcome to the BTOsports.com RacerX podcast show. I'm your host, Steve Mathis, and with me in studio here in Las Vegas, that's right, we have somebody in studio, always a good uh, good time when somebody's here, is uh, a guy I've been wanting to get for a long time, and uh, uh, he's finally showed up. He's a busy guy, but I'm glad he took the time. Greg Prim, uh, thank you for coming on. Appreciate it. You're more than welcome. Happy to be here. Uh, I imagine you're a busy guy, and uh, when I said to uh, our mutual friend, Tony Berluti, that you were coming by for this, he kind of didn't believe me. He said, uh, you're getting him there. I said, yeah. He goes, wow. So, well, You're only 15 minutes from my house, so it's yeah. kind of hard to make an excuse with that. <laughs> well, and I guess, too, like he, uh, Berlut said, uh, he likes to talk moto. So, you know, so that Absolutely. was it. Uh, and uh, I guess talking moto is a little bit away from uh, what you normally do day to day. Right? I mean. Well, there, there may be a misconception. The, the, the casino thing's always uh, there in people's minds, but right. the... The family hasn't actually been involved in the casinos for many years. We, oh, news to me, yeah. yeah well, yeah. We, we still own the, all the property out at State Line, mm-hmm. which, which they call Prim now, and uh, we uh, just manage the property, and uh, mm-hmm. so it's, it's, it's a lot quieter than it used to be. Right, right. So how long ago was that? Were you involved day-to-day casino stuff I, at some point? Yeah, I actually started out working for my dad. <clears throat> back in the, oh gosh, I think it was the, the early 80s. Okay. And uh, and I started out actually pumping diesel. And <laughs> Your so dad I, didn't exactly put you in a cush job? <laughs> yeah. We, my family, my father believed at starting at the bottom. And, and uh-huh. in the casino industry, it's not like you can actually go to school to do that. You, um, UNLV has courses and all of that kind yep. of stuff. But when you look at all the facets of... Of the casino industry, the the, the restaurants, the bars, the mm-hmm. kitchens, cooking, washing dishes, all yeah. of that kind of stuff, playing all the games. Um, our family believed you had to know a little bit of everything, right? right. And that's that's old school. So my then, my my father started uh, in the business in the late forties, early fifties. Wow, okay. And so he was way old school. When did the Bugsy Siegel build the thing here? Oh gosh, you know Flamingo. what? Was that fifties or something? Like th- I that? think it was before that. Was it? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Wow. 
So, uh, so your dad was a pioneer in the. He uh, was a pioneer. We we actually had uh, casinos up in Reno for a while, mm-hmm. and uh, he helped start the casino industry in California. Oh, okay. And uh, but he definitely old school. I mean, he did every job in the casino before he actually owned yeah. one. So you pumping the diesel, you're just like, this is what we got to do. Exactly. <laughs> and and I wanted to learn. You know, I, mm-hmm. I I wasn't the greatest guy in school, and uh, I had bikes. Yeah. And uh, after blowing out my knees and deciding that wasn't the thing to do, um, it was get out of high school and go work for my father. And I imagine your father was like, what are you doing with these stupid bikes? Uh, you know, I got this casino business. It's, it's making money. Leave that stuff alone, right? Well, back in the day, uh, actually, uh, Whiskey Pete's was, before it was Whiskey Pete's, it's probably smaller than your house. Oh, yeah? Yeah. So that's that's how that <laughs> yep, started out yep. there. Um but it it's it, it was it was fun. Yeah. It was a f- fun thing to do. Uh, I, I got back into bikes after that because it was you'd work eight hours and you got the whole desert there. So I started right. riding again. Right. Um, you know the movie uh, Casino is one of my favorites. And uh, is that at all a depiction of what it used to be like? I mean, with the cheaters and the let's say I don't know if mobs or whatever. But is that at all? You would be amazed at the things that actually go down behind the scenes. I mean, I did I did to, to backtrack a little yeah. bit. I I did. I pumped diesel. I was assistant manager there. I worked in the slot department. Um, when I left, I'd gone through the uh, kitchen, done all of that wow, kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Um, and when I left the business, um, I was actually writing keynote tickets. And so I've done a little bit, dabbled in everything, and that yeah. was my first part to get into the games. Yeah. But the the things that you see in the casinos are, are pretty wild. <laughs> I, I mean... Um, all the way that people, all the ways that people try to cheat, yeah. the way they yeah. successfully cheat. Um, it's just it, it, for every time we came up with something to stop somebody from cheating, mm-hmm. you know, five yeah. days later they had some other way to figure out how to do yeah. it. So the guy had that that thing on his leg or whatever that was uh, uh, electro to the, the other the, like. Yeah, exactly. Is that real? Do you think well, that? They, I mean, a lot of it is real. They had they had, we we discovered one to where the guy would put a fishing line around a quarter. Okay. And drop it into the machine, and it would hit the acceptor, which is about oh, yeah, six yeah. inches down, and just click, click, click. So he would, and and it, it didn't start with a fishing wire; um, it started with a string, a very fine piece yeah. of thread. Yeah. Um, and then he would just pull, and it would drop it in, and yeah. so he would never get caught. Yeah. And this was many people did this. Then it went to uh, you know different types of things like that. We would put razor blades in there to cut the strings and the yeah, threads. Yeah, wow. And so it it got pretty sophisticated. Jeez, I, yeah, I bet the stories that you could probably tell when the mic was shut off probably pretty entertaining. <laughs> it, 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 it's some fun uh, stuff. Uh, um, so nowadays, uh, uh, that's what you're doing, just managing the family property and uh, and. Basically, running day-to-day operations of that. Well, I, I wouldn't make it that glorious. <laughs> we we have board meetings uh, every uh, three or four months and okay. sit with the family, my brothers and sisters, uh, and uh, just like everybody else, kind of sitting back and waiting to see what happens. You mm-hmm. know, we we definitely want to uh, develop the property more out there, and uh, a lot of what's going on out there is uh, um, with the solar energy. Um, mm-hmm. They've got a a lot of. Uh, I think two or three big power plants that are going up that are off our property in the in that valley. So there's going to be a lot of expansion out there in the future, hopefully. And people who maybe don't go state line, uh, that casino closed down uh, maybe a year ago, two years ago. Um, um, not at Prim, the one up, but Gene. Um, you know, you, you've got me on that one. I did not know that. Yeah, the the one. B- Gold Strike? Oh, um, you're talking that Meta Landing. Yeah, that's at the yeah, landing. The, the one they knocked down. Yeah. Couldn't believe it. Well, MGM was going to build a huge um, 
housing development there for a lot of their employees. Oh, so they were huh. actually going to make it um, very inexpensive for their people to work there, give them an incentive yeah, yeah. Oh, so wow. they could go in and get houses yep. and apartments and yep. all kinds of things. But they put a yeah. they stopped that when the economy right. took a dive. Uh, and not to stray too far, how is the economy doing? Uh, when are we coming back? You're, you're a smarter guy than I am. What's going on? I'm a bit of a pessimist okay. on this, <laughs> and uh, as I always say, and people that know me are going to say, here he goes, but everything leads to politics now, and that's another another story, another um, time, right. yep. but I think it, I think we've got a year to find out what's going to happen. Because mm-hmm. Greg, my house is, is not worth what I paid for. Neither is mine. Okay. Right. Neither is mine. Just in case you want to know. <laughs> um, Living here in Vegas for me hasn't been a financial boom I don't in, think, in the Mount housing market. <laughs> you're 100% right. I don't think anybody I know, their house right. is what they paid for it. Right. Um, so it's, I, I'm, I'm the eternal optimist. I, I think it will turn around. Yeah. Um, two to five years. Okay. Um, right. Vegas, is, Vegas is hurting right now, but um, since you haven't been here that long, our, yeah. our dips are have been... In the past, not as deep. Okay. Um, this is the first time, so it's a shock oh, for most really? Nevadans. Yeah, yeah. It's a shock for especially Southern Nevadans. Uh, and again, I, we'll get back to Moto. Uh, what, uh, what boggles me, though, is when you the strip, the transformation of the strip since I've been here, um, nothing but condos and high-rises and hotels and aria, the, there's an aria out in the 215, a new casino. So it's like the housing market is trashed, but... What, all these people are building new. There's, there's, there's just all you see is construction on the site on the, on the uh, on the sight line when you drive to the airport. So somebody's still building stuff. Well, again, the eternal optimist in yeah. me says that in Vegas we've, we're somewhere between 17 to 20 percent unemployment. That means 80 percent of the people that want jobs have jobs. Mm-hmm. So is your glass half full or is it yeah, half yeah, empty? Yeah, yeah. What is it? Right. Yeah. So you look in Europe and other areas of this planet and they would be very happy with 17 to 18 percent you know unemployment mm-hmm. um it's a shock for us obviously um especially coming i think we were down in the you know, somewhere in four and a half percent uh, okay. so yep. they were saying it was uh, technically full employment yeah you'll never get zero right so yeah hopefully yeah yeah um well okay because i always think to myself someone is building someone is making money and someone is deciding that these things are Go ahead with building these, well, these the, the condos and towns. Bottom line, the people that had low debt, lots of cash, are really doing well right now. The right, people that right. had high debt and no cash are swimming. Yeah, which is an old story, right? Exactly. Uh, <laughs> been there been there for a long time. Uh, uh, how long have you lived in Vegas for? Since, I think, about 81 or 82. Okay, so yeah, you've seen this place just blow up. Exactly. Yeah. Born and raised Nevada and spent a lot of time in California growing Did up, you? though. Uh, how'd you get into moto? I'm interested. Let's let's get into uh, and certainly uh, everyone wants to probably hear about your museum, and we'll get to that. That's uh, I got a lot of questions about that. But let's get into Greg Prim. How did you get into into moto? What uh, what was the, the the feeling behind that, or how did that get started? Wow. Um, I don't think anybody's ever asked me that before. <laughs> well, that's, um, that's why I do the hard hitting questions. <laughs> you know, it. it uh, I'll blame Just, my brother Roger for okay. that. He probably had a had a. Uh, a motorcycle magazine, you know, okay. and and we saw that, and we ended up uh, getting a go kart and a Rupp mini bike, a Cub C one or Cub C twenty, okay, two twenty. Gosh, I can't remember. Still have. I don't know. I that's ca- beyond I kept me. That yeah, out of yeah. the museum. Okay. Um. Anyways, and so that that's what we started with was a, a go kart and a Rupp go kart and a Rupp a mini bike, and and one thing led to another, and mm-hmm. and uh, 
you know, started looking at the magazines more and more and riding. We had a we had a ranch up in Reno with about eight acres, so we okay. could yeah. just go to the garage, grab our mini bikes, and go riding. And uh, so it's it just one thing led to another. At you some know, point, you started getting good at it and decided to race. Yeah, yeah. I, good enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, hey. Not, not as, not no expert. Let's put it that Tony way. Tony Berluti, uh, former factory Suzuki mechanic, longtime Las Vegas resident, mutual friend of ours, uh, told me that you and him captured a high school motocross championship. Which, uh, man, that would have been awesome in my day if we had a high school motocross team. But we, we were going to Wooster High School. There was a, it was a here, here. Uh, no, it was oh, actually up oh, in Reno. Okay, and uh, it was they, they built it, the Tri-State Motocross Championship, and I believe it was California. No, it wasn't California. It was Nevada, Utah, Idaho, something like okay. that. And yeah. Some big showdown? It, well, it, it was a showdown. I don't know how big <laughs> it was. It was in a uh, – I can see there's not a lot of, a lot of was, modesty with you already. <laughs> it, it, it was in a uh, livestock uh, – Oh, arena cross. There we exactly. Outdoor <laughs> livestock event center. Uh-huh. I think it was in Janesville or Susanville, California. Okay. What year would this been? Um – Still have the trophy. I don't even know. Uh, let's let me guess. A seventy. We got two shocks. Had to be seventy-seven, <laughs> seventy-eight. Okay. Yeah, two Elson shocks. Elson time. Yeah. I was riding an RM two fifty C, and uh, Tony was on a two fifty YZ, I think. Um, and another mutual friend, Bill Buttram, uh, he was on the team. And gosh, I can't remember who else. But uh, I think we ended up all winning. Yeah. Uh, Tony was in the same class I was. I won won the class. Um. But somehow we ended up with the with the championship. Uh, again, I don't know how. I was just it, it was actually because uh, there was so much manure um, down there in the field. It <laughs> yeah. was it was it was hard to stay on the bike. Right. And so and, and especially when they watered it, um, mm-hmm. it was the type of type of event to where the ground was really hard. They would water it, and if it wasn't dusty, it was goopy because of. Uh, the manure and all right, of that, right, and right. you would just slide through the corners and yeah. and uh, anyways, it was it was a lot of fun. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, and and, uh, and so when did you, um, of course, when did you hang it up? I guess let's say, or what? Call, you tore up your knee? Is that kind of well? Nine, what it was? nine surgeries on my left knee, really? two on my right knee, two on my all left. all from racing. Yeah, two for my uh, left shoulder, two on the left foot. Wow. And I never fell doing it. That's the weird thing. Just ligament damage yeah. and meniscus. Stuffed and, it in the corner. Yeah. I always stayed on the bike. Um, <laughs> so, uh, I, you know, I raced down here in Vegas several times, uh, half a, maybe a couple dozen times here in Vegas. And uh, God, you got my brain thinking on this one. I should have had some coffee. Um, <laughs> Would you like some? I can no, yeah, get good. you some. I'm good. Uh I think probably the last Buck time I raced. Cup, so. Actually, the I'm going to say 86 oh, okay. was the last time I raced. Yeah, so so recent, like not recently, I guess. But, yeah, the, if, if 76 you won the high school title, and then so 10 yeah. years well, later ra- you were still racing. somewhere between 10 to 12 years. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and eventually the family business just came calling along with the poor knees. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, at some point, uh, now Tony, Tony told me this story when I was touring your museum one time. You guys started EP Performs, which was clothing. Well, I, I remember was, the ads. I could probably pull one of the ads out of there, but it was uh, it was clothing, and, clothing and hard parts. Okay. Um, I don't know if we actually got the hard parts out ever. <laughs> early eighties, um, right? Was, early yeah, early eighties. That was the 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 attempt. Um, we sponsored Tommy Watts uh, back in the day. Machine Gun Tommy. Yep. 
and uh, national number twenty-two, and uh, and bullet Billy Lyles. Billy Lyles. He yeah. was uh, he was your poster guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. How would you get? You make clothing, so you just bought it and well, put your name there on was it? actually a local Kawasaki dealership here that started it. They started going down the uh, um, exhaust pipe uh-huh. side of it. Yep. And uh, my friend, our, our Tony's, and my friend Bill Buttram was actually working for the Kawasaki shop, and they kind of started going down, um, working on a uh, trying to be a mini pro circuit kind of thing. Okay. And uh, so then. Uh, the guy's name was Mark Vandenberg, and Mark wanted to get out of the business, and so I, I ended up jumping in, and um, Bill was a owner, Tony was an owner, and we worked with that, I think, for a year and a half, two years, and mm-hmm. I got to a point to where uh, uh, my brother-in-law um, had a friend of his who was a self-made billionaire, and he had a discussion with, with a me. With, with a B? With a B, yeah. He's <laughs> probably very, very quiet person, Yeah, and uh, he started as a gardener. Wow! So you can okay. You, and hope for as me an, as an immigrant too. There's hope for me. Okay. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, anyways, we had a. Uh, I went to lunch with him, and he uh, kind of showed me the light that it wasn't going to actually be a prop. Did you show me book. about your books or something? No, he just <laughs> he just walked me through it, and it was the it was the weirdest thing because I had no intention. Went to lunch just to yeah, you know say just, hi to him. Yeah, I'd known yeah. him for a lot of years. Right. And, um, and I came back looking at Tony and Bill going, uh-oh, how am I going to tell these guys that we're not going to do this So anymore? you were sort of the, the financial backing of EP. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I actually handled all so the you amateur fired writers. You fired Berluti. No, no, actually, I just... <laughs> I just want something on them. I want <laughs> <laughs> No, no fire. We uh, Actually, Tony and I left. Bill continued on. He found okay. another investor. And uh, I actually think the company's still in Vegas. Really? Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. And they, they do hats and T-shirts now. Oh, wow. Um, um what would you pay Billy Lyles back then to wear the gear? Do you remember? Gosh, I it was. I it mean, was, he was a factory Cowie rider uh, or an up and coming Kawasaki I'm, support guy. I'm just gonna pull this. I I'm gonna guess twelve to okay eighteen thousand somewhere right. in there, maybe a little, little off of what. But I mean, it was a legit company, is what I'm trying yeah, to get yeah, at. Like yeah. it was in the magazines, everybody, and and you can see it. And well, Tommy, Tommy was a uh, top twenty in yeah. Supercross, top twenty in uh, five hundred nationals. He did good. Two fifty nationals, yeah. and he actually was number five in the five hundred nationals. Yeah. yeah, with Tony spinning yeah. the wrenches. Yeah, yeah, and uh, so Tony's cool. been on the road a long time. Yeah, he has been. Uh, one of the good guys in motocross. Uh, would you agree? I mean, Unsung one of the, one hero. Of the, one of the underrated guys in moto. Yeah. Uh, I'm slightly biased, though. He's my best friend, so he's very intense. Yes. I, I, what's funny is I got the Berlut that I know, right? But then I know the I hear the stories of the Berlut uh, when he's in, in the mode from other people, and I'm like, really? Berlut is a nice guy, and they're like, oh, dude, he gets into it, you know, like when he's holding the board. He he is one of the uh, neatest people I've yeah. ever known in my life. He is he is absolutely a true friend. Yeah. And it's hard to find those these days. Yeah, that's a good point. But uh. I mean, it's we're going on thirty plus years. Wow, as yeah, friends. that's cool. It's a really good story too. And like, you know, you've gone this way, he's gone this way. You came together. You know what I mean? But through it all, you know, the friendship is there, and and and, and it's really that's a cool, cool deal. Well, he actually moved down here from Reno, um, or for actually from Carson City, um, and we were roommates for a long time. Okay. So, uh, um, how did the Pre Museum? start and for anybody who doesn't know what it is just google it and i'm tired of i won't explain it print mx collection print mx collection how did it start did it start like in this room where i got 
sort of uh, very, very, very small? I mean, is this why it started? Yeah, well, I told you to stop in I this know. room. <laughs> I, and I'm going to have to because my wife will not let it go beyond that half wall. It, but, I mean, is that just it, a it, fan, it, right? It did. It did. It, yeah. it did. It started actually the bike side of it, the hard part of it, um, started with uh, 73 um, Honda CR250 and a 74 yeah. CR125. And just as a lark because uh, yeah. my brother and I both had those bikes. Um mm-hmm. And I was always collecting memorabilia. We did the, the we did the EP performs thing. Knew a lot of people, right. and they knew about the casinos and Vegas involvement. And they would come to Vegas and you know uh, give them a room, give them a meal. Mm-hmm. They'd give me a jersey or whatever. Yeah. And uh, uh, I mean, were you uh, sorry to interrupt you, but were you just reading the magazines as a kid? And I mean, all that. Oh, absolutely. I mean, just yeah. You strike me as that type of guy. Yeah. It's 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 what I call motofactology. It's yeah. why we remember the stuff we do. Right. And and when Tony and I talk or Bill and I talk, uh, all of that kind of stuff. Um, you know, you you go back and that's your memory. Yeah. And, and in my generation, it was bikes. Yeah. The previous generations, it was cars. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, so it just started sort of started evolving your collection. Exactly. And and uh, I uh, built an addition to my house at the time and. Uh, my workshop and I started putting everything up on the wall and then two bikes led to four and four led to eight and eight led to um, yeah. I think the final number was 360 something 369 or something like that um your wife is going what is going on with well, that well what you is know happening in this house <laughs> I'm very passionate about the stuff that I collect right. I'm very passionate about the things that I that I enjoy and uh that was one of them you just got into it yeah and I, I one of the things that I that I say about people and you're actually guilty of it is everybody collects something uh-huh yeah, yeah most people don't want to admit it right i mean i go back into my dad's day uh-huh. and um it was ashtrays it was jim beam whiskey bottles <laughs> it was uh um matches yep. you know from the casinos and things like my that. my wife collects coffee cups from yep. like around the yeah yep. so yeah. everybody does good point and and it's it's I think it goes back to the old days of the gatherers, you know, and, and get, grab. <laughs> then it was really important. You had to get yeah, food yeah. and stuff. Yeah. But it was like, hey, I can get that. I'll read that book later or mm-hmm. I'll play that video game later. Right. Or, you know, uh, my thing is collecting motocross stuff. Yeah. And so when, when my kids were um, growing up, we'd go to Toys R Us and it was like, oh, check that out. You know, it's right. a, there's yeah. a new new uh, Ricky Carmichael bike or whatever it was. And yeah. so it would be get one of those for me, one of the museum. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so it, it – the collecting side of it gets out of control, and um, as I've said, <laughs> yeah, yeah, looking around your room here, yeah, no, I mean, like I said, I'm st- I'm I'm at a limit. You know, I did one of these with John Gregory, and he said he was going to send me a whole bunch of stuff that he still had. He volunteered it, and I haven't gotten it, but I was thinking to myself, that's so awesome. And then on the other hand, I was like, please don't, because I. I you know, I bought that V2000 chest protector on eBay mm-hmm. for eighty bucks, and I don't really know why I got it. It's never just sat there for eighty dollars. So I'm just like John. Don't please, you know. I don't need it. I don't need it. But anyways, um, uh, when did you when did you realize crap? I gotta get a warehouse. Like I got a lot of stuff. Well, actually, I, I started um, started an investment business after I left uh, the family casinos, mm-hmm. and we we started doing a little bit of real estate, and um, decided it was time to uh, build our own buildings rather than buying. Them. Right. And uh, so we found the the property there uh, where the museum was, and and bought the end of the cul-de-sac and built two buildings. And um, the thought there was the the building on the right would pay for the building on the left. We'd rent the one on the right out, and whatever we wanted to do with the building on the left, we could do. You could do it. Right. And 
So we had a couple couple businesses running out of it. Um, had my own personal uh, the management company, um, that type of thing. And when it got past, I think thirty some odd bikes at the house. <laughs> It was like, all right, now it's time to move that stuff to the warehouse. But but at some point, you made a conscious effort because there's no way you dreamed of owning an 83 RM500. No. So, at, so at some point, it was a conscious effort to like, I'm going to build this. What what actually put me over the top was, <laughs> yeah, was actually seeing it all there. Okay. And then a lot of the stuff. An early the, collection, you mean? Yeah, an early. A collection. lot of the yeah. stuff was in the was in the. Let me go back to the collector thing first. Okay. When you're a collector, you look at things like your chest protector there and go, okay, well, that looks like one of the ones that David Bailey used or one of the ones that Brock wore. Now, what do I need to make the Brock collection? (laughs) So now it's the helmet, it's the jersey, it's Uh the pants, it's the matching boots. Right. So when you collect, that's what most people do. You know, it's... One leads to another. (laughs) One leads to another. And so um, we started seeing, you know, trends like that and... and, uh, Looking at the bikes and going, all right, well, the first goal was 74 through 81 CR 125 and 250s because it just makes <laughs> it's, sense. It's, but that does that is one that makes sense, absolutely. CR 125, an iconic. Exactly. But it, <laughs> I grew up, I, I, I didn't race very many Hondas. Uh-huh. I always wanted to. For some reason, right. I ended up racing Yamahas and Suzukis. Right. Why, I don't know. It just happened that way. But I was always the the Honda guy. I always looked at the guy in the Honda and went, God, why didn't you know? Why should have right. bought one of those? Yeah. Except when they had the radiator on the front and the eighty ones. Yeah. yeah. That was Except scary. For that. Um, but when when I started the that series is when it actually started to get in the butt because I had all the bikes okay. there in yeah. a line. And you were like, this looks looking bitchy. at them, go, okay, now it's Suzuki's. Now we're gonna do RMs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then when it when uh, Rick Dowdy and I started working together. Um, that actually was a was a huge boost because it was a lot easier to find mm-hmm. the stuff. Right, right. Um, doing it on your own, um, it kind of gets scary. I ended up buying a uh, CR one twenty, a nineteen eighty CR one twenty five. It was an eighty or seventy nine, one of the two. Okay. And uh, used to be a good mechanic. Used to know what I was doing uh-huh. um, with the old twin shockers. And so I got all excited because it was like, this is another one that I need. <laughs> yeah. And I found it here locally. And by the time we brought it home and started taking it apart, I ended up with like a wheel. Yeah. Everything else was just destroyed yeah. on the bike. The backbone yeah. of the, the frame was just right. destroyed. I've been looking on Craigslist for like a mid-80s motocrosser yeah. to restore. Exactly. Uh, hopefully my wife's not listening. Uh, I want to do exactly up, but I can't. They're beat. They're all beat yeah, down. Yeah, yeah. Where yours well, were like, well, this this was that was when I started paying attention because then it was it was the thrill of the chase. I found it now. Let's move on, you know, and I'll <laughs> yeah. restore it kind of later. Yeah. Um, one of the cool things about it then was a, a mutual or another one of our friends, uh, Dave McGacken from Moto Help. Mm-hmm. Um, Dave was working for Colby Honda at the time, and <clears> I would call Dave and get parts for my own race bikes and stuff. And then I called him one day and I said, I need every body part, gas tank, all the decals, um, all the stuff that broke on the bike. Yeah. So levers, yeah. all that kind of stuff, grips for 74 through 81. And he says, are you nuts? <laughs> and I said, no. And he goes, you didn't even, don't even have the bike shit. I said, no, I know. But I know when I need this stuff, yeah, it's yeah. not going to be there. Yeah, yeah. Two years later, he called me. He said, that was the smartest thing you ever did. Honda stopped. They're not making the parts anymore. Oh, wow. Yeah, so yeah, we yeah. actually had baskets set aside with everything in it to restore the bike, yeah. even though we didn't have it. Wow. The yeah, metal stuff a, was uh, easy. Uh, that is, a, well, that's sort of, 
so he started getting bigger and bigger, and you started. Now I need RMs. Now I need. Uh, I went up three hundred. How many bikes? Three sixty nine in the three, end. I'm, I'm just I'm, I'm stuck with so many questions. I want to go. Uh, 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 what put me over the edge to get to your point? Because I went I went off track, but was when we did the uh, World Cup. Uh huh. Um, yeah. Race down in California yeah. when the motocross nations blew up. Tim Ferry, I worked for. Yep. Him. Um, yeah. That's I probably met you then. Yeah, I, yeah, I, way I, back then. Yeah, I met you a few times. So uh, that was actually one of the. That was the don't, first event. Don't forget, Carmichael and Larocco went home, and only Ferry right, right. stepped up. That was the first event I went to uh, with my hearing thing. Oh, was it? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got a, an implant. Uh, yeah, uh, um, cochlear implant. Cochlear implant. Yeah. So uh, after that, which I mean, I guess let's explain. Uh, uh, you know, some people, if you, if Greg Prim has ever just walked right past you. Without acknowledging you, saying hi, it could have been on your right hand side. Right, it would have been, <laughs> or it would have been loud. Yeah, um, I hear with a cochlear implant. Yeah, so I lost my hearing. It'll be ten years. It was actually 20, ten years this November, um, and uh, so I'm a hundred percent deaf. If I take my uh, little earpiece off here, um, yeah. I can't hear a thing. It must have been traumatic. Uh, it was. It was. I think it was more traumatic for my for my daughters and my wife than it was for me because uh -huh. for some reason I just uh, I'm the eternal optimist. Like I said earlier, yeah, yeah. I I I believe um, I have faith that things are always going to work out for the better. Right. And so I was deaf for a year, had the surgery, and I heard from day one. Yeah. Okay. So and most oh. people don't know. So if I offended anybody out there, I apologize. <laughs> uh, Make sure you're on my left side. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, uh, so. The, 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 the bikes get started. Your collection starts rolling. Where do you find these bikes? Where do you find all these parts? I mean, you got, I mean we're talk, if anybody has, has any idea, again, Google it and check it out. You've got primo showroom quality bikes, hundreds of them. Uh, and <clears throat> they didn't start out like that. So No, a lot of them we, we restored in my, uh, in my shop at the house. Um, mm -hmm. Richard Saxton um, did a lot of them. And uh, then we went on with with Rick Dowdy at Vintage Iron, and Rick did the balance of the bikes. Mm -hmm. um, we would once in a while get lucky and find a bike actually in a crate. You would, well, yeah, um, yeah. Found found a '77 Osa 250 Phantom that way, and it was missing a Kickstarter and a shift lever, and that was it. It was brand That's new it. in the crate. How do you find that? Just luck. <laughs> Yeah, you know, um, somebody passing by a barn, somebody. Mm -hmm. I mean, you, you see all these shows on TV about that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. There, there's truly people out there that have stuff that they. <laughs> it's the collector thing. We talked yeah. about that. Yeah. To where uh, that they end up having one of everything, and it was yeah. their way of doing it. But they never wrote it. They always had the you know great thought, lousy follow through. Right, right. Um, there's a Chevrolet dealership here in town. This again proves my point of the collector. Um, I think it was Fairway Chevrolet okay. on Sahara. And Greg Heinrich's father um, collected one of every Chevy that he got as a Chevy dealer, all the cool cars of that year. Yeah, yeah. And they've got a garage in the back that's just amazing. I yeah, mean, yeah. brand new, never driven most of them. Wow. Corvettes and Camaros and all kinds of cool stuff. You know, uh, you had you had Derby mid-80s derby bikes yep. you had uh kajiva's mid-80s kajiva's uh, i think we had 47 different brands where would you get those from i mean how would you get those ebay is a godsend yeah yeah um, okay we got very very lucky with ebay um there were there's people out there we got a um 78 kx250 
which I, I think is just one of the coolest looking bikes out there. Yeah, I'm trying to picture it. Twin um, shock, gold, yeah. gold uh, rims, gold swing arm. Yeah, that's um, right. Fender off the back. Yeah. Uh, uh, yep, uh, yep. Number plate off the back. Yep. Yeah. No, actually, no, it was this one pre, pre okay. that. Um, okay. And uh, <clears throat> happened to find some guy. I think this was in Minnesota. And I would was looking for one for six, eight months year maybe god the hours too you've devoted to this oh yeah <laughs> and, and it was just scouring it and you know looking at the different ads and people saying oh i know this guy that has yeah. it and you, yeah. you make the phone calls and all that kind of stuff and uh found it on ebay and it was like uh yeah found it on ebay and and uh ended up winning it and then the guy wanted to back out on the deal no because somebody else came in and wanted to give him more money right and and we ended up having a trucking company there, and the guy basically had to fight to get the bike. And wow. It, it, it's kind of crazy. It's, yeah. it's scary because the, and it was a guy who was a farmer, had the bike, rode it lightly around yeah. his farm. Yeah. It was too much for him, put it away, and forgot about it. And it was in kind of an estate or a family took over the farm after the guy passed away and wow. wanted to get rid of it and had no idea what huh. it was. Um, uh, Memorabilia-wise, how did you get that? How do you get that old gear? How do you get all that stuff? Uh, a lot of it, a lot of it was given as gifts. Yeah. Um, again, through the casinos, you know, mm -hmm. we had a lot of friends that would come into town. I'd get them rooms. They would give okay. me stuff. Um, yeah. Because you had stuff in bags still, like yeah, brand new, like as a as you'd see in a dealership, mid eighties. Yeah. 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 It, it again, there was there, the public got involved. Um, a lot of people donated stuff. A lot of yeah. people in the industry donated stuff. I actually donated something. Yep. Motocross, uh, the World Cup graphics uh, off the YZ450. There you go. From, yeah, yeah. From that race. Yeah. Um, so it's it, at, at times it would come into huge waves and then yeah, it would yeah. be nothing. Uh -huh. um, guys would promise stuff and it would never show up. All right. Um, you, so that, go ahead. Uh, the plan eventually at some point got to where you said, hey, I'm going to try to make a museum for the public. And that was after the World Cup. We, okay. we decided um, we were sitting there. Uh, I think it was Rick Dowdy, Brad Zimmerman, myself, maybe a, two or three other people. We were there for the – I was touring everybody around, and we were here for the um, – U.S. Open. U.S. Open. Oh. And, uh, and I think it was like – Wednesday or Thursday, I don't know why everybody came in. Anyways, we were yeah. kicking back and just relaxing and uh, talking about it and looking at everything. And it was, hey, why don't you open it up? You know, we'll get some people to come over. And yeah. so they started, Brad and Rick and whoever else was there were calling people. And we got, I think, 20 people to stop by. And then they went nuts and said, yeah. hey, you know, you need to do this. And yeah. I got all excited. And and uh, I think uh, the biggest event we had there was, uh, I think it was 40th anniversary for uh, Thor. Thor, yeah. Yep. They actually rented the building, rented the, the place, which was so exciting. Right. Um, that was neat. Had a lot of lot of neat people yeah, in there. Yeah, yeah. A lot of my heroes. Uh, um, so before that, it was sort of just your stuff just sitting around. Yeah. I mean, just yeah. you going yeah. back there going, this is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> no idea, though. that like, like, did you have an idea? Like, I brought a couple. I mean, I've been there. I think I was there three times. And uh, uh, once with Davy Coombs, once and twice with Berlute. And you let a couple of my buddies in from Canada who were down racing the world vet races. Uh, you said it was okay to bring them. Mm -hmm. These guys still talk about this to this day. I mean, they still, you know. Do you not have any idea that people would be into that that much? Like, were you sort of naive a little bit and not? You know, I, I, don't, know you? If it, I don't know if it was naive. I think, I think. Or you were just like, I hey, think it's my after collection. the first <laughs> couple events, it was, it, it was, uh. 
overwhelming actually of okay. this for what people would say and yeah uh, i mean the stories that we have we we that people actually came from the other side of the world yeah. to see it yeah and when i started to get that i you know um understand the the nature of what it really right, truly right, was right. um it kind of took on a life of its own because mm -hmm. it was like all right now i want to make it better and i want to make it bigger yeah. and i want to make it better and it's vegas and um and everybody comes to Vegas eventually. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, good point. You're um, right. That could be on a postcard. Yeah, every, exactly. Every, you'll be here eventually. <laughs> um, so it, it, and it seems like we're getting a lot of races these days, big ones. Yeah. Too, so a lot of the industry people come, a lot of factory riders and stuff. So it seemed like the natural thing, and and again, it it was it it truly was overwhelming for what people said. How they felt about how they it. Reacted I mean, to we you. had we had, you a had a little guest book too that people were, yeah, would yeah. write stuff in. Um, still, I kept that. Um, we uh, we we had several families from Australia that had I think they've been four or five times. Oh yeah, yeah. And every time they came to Vegas or came but, to the United States, they always came to Vegas well, to see it. But it wasn't ever really open to the public. You never actually did get it sort of dream realized, did you? No. No, there there was a lot. You were going to charge admission. I mean, imagine I would imagine right. That's how that was the eventual plan. Right. I don't think, I don't think we ever, we, you know what, we charged a mission for one event that, um, Stefan Legrand. Okay. The big, yeah. Uh, yeah. Big did for a French tour group, uh -huh. but I don't, yeah. I can't actually remember if we ever did charge. Yeah. 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 Um, but mostly it was, it was insider people, um, from, I shouldn't say insider, in industry people. We yeah. did open it up several times to where it was a limited, yeah. Group of people that came in uh, a couple times. We 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 sold T-shirts and things like that. Uh, yeah, I always thought it was pretty cool that you know you, it seemed like if you knew the right people, you could get to go when the races were in town. And like I said, uh, my Canadian buddies, I mean, they still talk about it. It was a life-changing event for them. Well, it, it <laughs> as anybody that has, um, there's there's several collectors out there, Tom White and Terry Good, th those guys. Um, there's quite a few people that have um, really nice mid-size, smaller collections, right? And uh, some amazing stuff. And once it gets out, mm -hmm. you you kind of get to the point to where you're obligated. Um, and I don't think we turned very many people uh, away. Yeah. We we actually uh, my staff would. Um, stop doing normal business and open the door for twos and threes. Oh, that's cool. Midweek. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and these are people from all over the world that would figure it out. All over the world, yeah. exactly. And uh, so that kind of got to the point to where it created issues. Yeah, um, I would but, imagine. And again, you you get somebody you know, from Finland coming over, and they're, right. they're here for a convention. Uh, and how do you say no? Yeah. And, you know, LeBig told me, who you know, you employed for a little while. Um, LeBig told me, like, you don't understand, Steve, like, uh, dust would accumulate. I had to clean the bikes, and I yep. mean, the, the this is an upkeep. This is you don't understand. Like if you if Greg wanted to show it, he said if Greg wants to show it, he wants to show it in its best condition. Air in the tires, and it could take it could take up to two weeks yeah. with you know half a dozen or a dozen people working eight hours a day yeah. to make it the way show you want ready. it. Yeah, show the way you, yeah the way you wanted it to. So that's that. Just uh, everybody go down to your garage. Look at all the projects that you've got sitting there on your workbench. <laughs> um, look at all the boxes of stuff that you need to do something with one day, and right. then then turn it into ten thousand square feet. You know. Yeah, multiply it. Um, uh, uh, so, why the decision to sell? What, uh, that had to have been tough. It, it, it was very tough. Yeah. 
it got to the point to where it was more of a, it was actually <clears throat> more of an emotional thing because I'd go in and I knew that it wasn't going to get to what I wanted it to okay, be. Okay, yeah. And, you know, the economic turndown kind of uh, affected everybody. Uh -huh. So I kind of saw things coming and I thought, well, I need to I need to rent this building out to make things work. Yeah, yeah. And this, the first thing to do is to empty it out. All right. And that would have been a tough day for you. I, I would well, you know, it was once I made the decision, <coughs> I, I've collected lots of things. Uh -huh. I, I, I had the largest Hard Rock Cafe pin collection in the world. Oh, I think I think I knew that about you. Yeah, yeah. And that was one of several other type of collections. And yeah. the one thing that I've never done with this stuff is actually fall in love with it. Uh -huh. I think that's when you become a hoarder. <laughs> you know, and we'll see you on those shows. <laughs> exactly. I need this newspaper. I have to have this newspaper. This cat box is, means so much to me. This exactly. Box. <laughs> so, yeah. I, w once I made that decision, yeah. it, it was very hard. It's still hard now. Right. You know. Um, hey guys, thanks for listening to the BTOSports.com RacerX podcast show. It's that time. Time for a commercial. Thanks for listening to the BTOsports.com podcast show. Please don't forget that BTO is the world leader in aftermarket motocross parts for the bike or body. You'll find deals like a Shoei VFXW helmet for $309.99, 45% off, or Smith Piston goggles for $32.99, 65% off. Your order can be shipped anywhere in the USA for free. Or if you're not in the USA, we ship worldwide. Check it out at BTOsports.com. JT Racing USA is back to reestablish its deep roots in the motocross industry with an all-new, innovative line of racewear and casual wear. While bringing many of JT's strongest design elements from its golden years back to life, the racewear is constructed with the highest grade material on the market and has a technological fit, feel, and function that is sure to raise the bar in how motocross gear is being built. JT has relaunched itself back into motocross with the Pro Tour jersey, classic pants, lifeline, and flex field gloves in eight colorways with an assortment of men's and women's casual wear to add to its collection. By redefining the meaning of airflow, JT has incorporated its airline system technology into this collection and is now getting set to launch its all-new ALS2 helmet in seven colorways to complete the rebirth of the brand. The wait is over, so go visit your local dealer for more information or log on to jtracingusa.com to find a dealer near you. How much, I don't know if you want to say, how much did you have in it, do you think, money-wise? How much? I mean, Several million. Million? Yeah. Several yeah. million, without yeah. a doubt. And hours, and hours. Oh, yeah. So that's, yeah. I mean, uh, um, how did you get, uh, well, I guess, how, how do you find a buyer for that? I understand a, a gun manufacturer yeah, guy uh, or something. The gentleman uh, who owns Springfield Armory. Okay. Um, how do you find a buyer for all that? Well, I, it, that was through Rick Dowdy again. Mm -hmm. Rick was able to help help with that deal or start the deal and uh, yeah. finalize it and help move it. It was 10 semi-trucks yeah. and six days of, I think it was 12 to 20 people yeah. constantly working. Boxing, packing, sorting, you know. And he, you sold the whole thing? Everything. Everything. I actually, the, the way it actually worked out was <coughs> I sold the bikes and the memorabilia went with it. Mm -hmm. um, there was stuff in there, um, like you said, you, you donated things yeah. that I, I didn't feel right actually saying you're buying this. Oh, yeah. Can I get my shroud, Can I get my shrouds in back and my side panels? If we can find them. <laughs>
I'll send you a bill. Where do uh, I send the I bill? I think uh, prim, prim, prim resorts. <laughs> the, the, the guy who bought it is. Uh, if you consider me busy, he's he he never stops. Okay. Um, Six thousand um, employees, three gun manufacturers, <laughs> three different countries that he's doing this, and he's constantly. And he's going. just a moto guy. He's a he, he, he's I mean, a moto guy. <clears throat> he's he's kind of like me of the Midwest. Okay. And uh, great, great guy, mm-hmm. and uh, I know he he's got the resources. He actually had a twenty thousand square foot building, so twice the size twice, of what we yeah, had. Yeah. That had a couple cars in it and six bikes, and <laughs> wasn't sure what he was going to do. Yeah. And it was just happened to be everything fell in Rick place knew at the him right and, time. And he knew Rick, and you were selling, and yeah, yep. it, it, it all worked together. And so uh, <clears throat> it, it it turned out it turned out for the best. I I, I think uh, my understanding still is that he will be opening up to the public. At some point in time, but yeah. I think I haven't talked to him about the bikes for a long time. Um, <laughs> too, but I think he, I think, well, I think he actually realizes a lot of what I was going through yeah. now because, again, it's what's important, what's not important. Um, a, a, a great story. Um, Rick went to um, I think it was Mid Ohio to one of the big bike events there, mm-hmm. and he calls me. He says, "Hey, I, f- I found this bike. Um, and now I got to actually search my memory. What the heck was it? It was a Pook eighty. Okay, Pook eighty or or eighty seventy five or an eighty eighty five something like that. It was a Pook mini bike. Mm-hmm. And uh, he says, "We got to get it." I go, "Why? You know, I, I yeah, I, I'm pretty sure it was a Pook. If I'm if I'm blowing this story, somebody correct me one day. Um, Anyway, so he goes, it, it'll be great. It'll be great. We'll restore it. It'll be so cool. And that was uh, before the, the, the ease with the iPhone. Send the picture yeah. now. Here it is, yeah. live video kind yeah. of thing. And uh, I said, okay. He says, just trust me on this. And uh-huh. so with that, that could end up being you know several thousand yeah, yeah. dollars to, yeah. by the time you bring the thing yeah. back, ship fix it, it and, yeah. fix it, find parts for it. I mean, there, there were bikes that we, we actually couldn't find parts for for, for years and f- finally just stumbled upon them. And uh, so this is a Berluti story. So uh, one thing leads to another. Bike's done. Three, four months later, Rick brings it in. And I'm looking at it going, that is one ugly motorcycle. <laughs> and th- that was kind of one of the the side collection was the mini bikes. And uh, every bike, everything in there thrilled somebody at least once. Yeah. 369 bikes, mm-hmm. 10,000 plus pieces of memorabilia. And once I went through this, and again, it was another one of those um, moments where you just can't say no. You, you yeah. got it because eventually it's going to get that person. Yeah. You're going to have that yeah. moto feeling, that, that thrill up your leg, whatever you want to call it. And uh, so Tony brings over uh, one of his buddies, and I'm talking to Tony. Right. Where I'm at, from one end of the museum to the other, and I hear this guy screaming. And I'm thinking, "Oh God!" You know, something got <laughs> a knocked bike over. fell out of him. Yeah. <laughs> this is what the kid rode when he was a kid. A kid. Yeah, he yeah, rode yeah. an eighty, a, a, pook. a pook eighty. Yeah, yeah. And I never saw it in a magazine once. Right. I've never heard about the bike. Yeah. And so it was well worth it. I yeah. mean, it made this guy's day. He yeah. took pictures on it. You know. This, this is my bike. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, he, he, he verified it was restored perfectly. It looked exactly like the one he got on Christmas, you know, that yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. And so uh, yeah. I, think we, I think we called it touching your moto soul. There's <laughs> something in there. We, uh, yeah, I, I would attest to that, no doubt. Uh, and it was funny because Berlut, one time I was in there with Berlut, and he was looking at some Mako. And I'm like, huh, Mako? But I was looking at, like, an 87 CR125 that I, you know what I mean? And it was just funny. It was just well, we've, yeah. we've had, we had the 80 deal, and we had it all the way up to, I think the guy was 82, 83, 
and a friend of ours brought his father in, um, father, father-in-law, something mm-hmm. like that. And this guy actually had tears in his eyes really? yeah. looking at a Penton 125. Yeah. And he swore it was his bike. <laughs> <laughs> because it had a fray on the clutch cable, and okay. his did that. Yeah. And his was the only one that ever did that. And you oh, know whether funny. or not it was his bike, yeah. nobody knows. But the the key point was again, you got you're, you're touching lives. Exactly, you are. You really are. So um, well, hopefully this, this this guy that bought it, purchased it, will open it up. Because I truly believe people need to see that. You know what I mean? Like we just talked about, it's like it's a highlight of. I still I love talking about it. Going, to, I got a bunch of pictures on my on my computer about it, and. You know, hopefully uh, uh, this guy does the right thing with it. And of course, I know, believe he will. Yeah, I yeah. believe he's he's a very good man. Yeah, um, uh, it couldn't have gone to a better person, and that's what helped yeah. make it so easy. Right, right. Um, and yeah, it's 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 too bad it's not here in Vegas anymore. But hey, whatever. Um, what what about uh, the the factory bikes? You had a lot of factory bikes. You had a lot of factory bikes. Uh, I think we Wardies, had chickens, Jap- Japanese bikes. Yeah, those were awesome. Where did you get those from? Chicken? From chicken. Yeah. From chicken. Yeah, yeah. And just bought and, them. And, and again, a lot of this came through meeting people with mm-hmm. Tony. Yeah, yeah. And so. Uh, and Wardy, same thing. Wardy's bikes. Uh, some of Wardy's bikes actually, <clears throat> actually, Wardy's XR seventy five came through him. Um, How'd you meet Jeff Ward? <sighs> Wardy actually was an EP pipe user for oh. a short period of time, ah. maybe yeah, yeah. a half a race or something. <laughs> and I actually met Jeff back then. Oh, you did? Okay. And I, funny thing is, I, I don't know if Wardy knows this, but I was never really a Jeff Ward fan. <laughs> when he was on mini bikes, the XR75, I thought that was the coolest right. thing in the world. But I, I think I remember the first Supercross, LA, Super, um, LA Coliseum Supercross, Wardy's one of his first, if not the first Supercross. Mm-hmm. And I just was never a Ward fan, and yeah, I, yeah. I don't know why. And um, through Troy Lee, you know, I, I met Wardy, uh, re-met him. Mm-hmm. Um, and from that point on, it just, our families became friends, yeah. and wives became friends, and kids are friends, and um, been on, you know, some vacations together and things yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. And it's just, I, I wish everybody knew Jeff Ward the way right. Jeff Ward is, because I, I guess if I remember right, the media didn't actually portray him as a as yeah. In the RJ versus Wardy battles, RJ came up on top in magazines' eyes and in yeah. a lot of fans' eyes and yeah, yeah. things like that. Um, yeah, so that's kind of funny. No, yeah, Wardy's a good guy, no doubt about it. Um, uh, I've gotten to know him a little bit over the years too. Uh, Bob Hanna Suzuki, where'd you get that? The, was from the, Bob. That was uh, Bob had that himself. Yeah, yeah. Bob yeah. had that hanging above his island in his kitchen. <laughs> Of course, and uh, it was hanging, a, when he won the Unadilla GP yeah, on, yeah, yeah. Um, hanging from his ceiling, and uh, I think it was one of his mechanic, or I can't remember at the time exactly how it ended up, but it was hey, call Bob. Okay, and uh, I had actually he wants to get rid of this thing on his island. <laughs> I'm sorry, up. he wants to get rid of this thing hanging above his island. Actually, I think he wanted <coughs> a propeller for a plane. Okay, and so. Uh, Anyway, so it, I talked to him on the phone, and um, everything seemed to be cool. And, you know, we, we kind of played uh, cat and mouse back and forth, uh-huh. price, not price here. This yeah. is what I want to pay. This is, you know, want to. And we finally got to the point to where we agreed upon it. And I said, well, I need one piece of memorabilia for it. And, uh, uh-huh. and I thought he was going to say no. And he said, no problem. What do you want? And I said, you know what? You pick something that would work with the bike. Okay. And he says, I'm going to give you the helmet that went with the bike oh, that I rode. Nice. With. Yeah. And uh, I said, fine. I said, where do I send the check? And yeah. he says, 
just send me, you know, 5000 for now and we'll, we'll figure out the rest later. Yeah. And I said, well, I'd rather just pay you the whole thing now. Yeah. Yeah. And he said, no, I don't need it. And it was like, okay. <laughs> and he said, I'll just call it the Bank of Prim. Whenever I need to withdraw, I'll call you. <laughs> so within six months, you know, he had, he had withdrawn all his money. Took, and, oh, that's funny. I, I did one of these with him, and, and, yeah, it was great. I don't know him at all, but uh, yeah, he was yeah. great. He was great on it. He was classic. Um, uh, the, the Mugen, Osho and Mugen, uh, that was a restore, a restore, right? That was Johnny's bike. Oh, it was? Oh, I think that I was, was told. I think I was told it wasn't. Okay, that was the see, 1980 Mid Ohio USGP. That was the Mid Ohio USGP that Al Baker restored and gave him when he got the ride with Honda. Ah, okay, all right. And for all of those guys out there that have one that looked exactly like mm -hmm. it and said it was, it wasn't. That it wasn't. Um, okay. There were several people out there that were touting to have that bike, and I uh, think that's why I thought it wasn't or something. But yeah. Okay. So the one thing that we prided ourselves on, or I prided myself on, there was. It was what it was. Mm -hmm. The bike, if if we said it was, uh, um, you know, Jeff Ward's bike, it mm -hmm. was Jeff Ward's bike. Yep. If it was, so we never made parts bikes. There's, there's a lot of that kind of stuff out there to where yep. it's it's a, a replica bike, um, nice replica factory bikes and that type of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah. Johnny's bike sat in his garage and through da knowing David Bailey and knowing Johnny and. Um, I always would talk to Johnny and yeah. Tony would you're talk like, to Johnny. You're putting and the bug in his ear. Hey, exactly. Yeah, well, I, and it said, you know, when I when I get tired of it, yeah. I'll call you. And yeah. I, out of the blue, Johnny called one day and said, hey, you know, yeah. I want to do something with this bike. Wow. Yeah. And wow. So, the I didn't know it was the actual bike. Um, JMB's uh, practice bike. JMB's uh, 88. That upside down forks, works forks. Uh, I we got that from a collector, I think in California. If I remember right, in California. Mm hmm. And I was kind of skeptical, okay. um, but it definitely was a works bike. Uh -huh. um, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, no. It was definitely a works bike. And uh, but he was, he was it, excited when he saw it. Well, and yeah. he confirmed it was yeah. absolutely his bike. He went literally went through the thing. And that, he's another guy that um, I first met him with um, Ricky Johnson at the Seattle or yeah Seattle Supercross. And uh, <laughs> funny story, he. Uh, when was this? Like, what year, like in the heydays? It was of, the heydays, yeah. 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 He okay. was, um, they were both on Team Honda. Okay. And uh, we were sitting in the pits talking to um, Ricky, and uh, Jean-Michel just got off his bike from a practice or something, mm -hmm. and he goes, hey, this is my buddy Prim. Give him a jersey. So he took off his jersey, sweaty, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. soaking, smelling, and yeah. tossed it to me. And it was like, oh, God. <laughs> so that had to ride home in my bag. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> so, but that that's when I first met him. But, right. again, you know, he seemed, the, from the way the press portrayed him, he was aloof. He wasn't, you know. Mm -hmm. But he's been he's been to the museum several times. And, um, yeah. you know, last time Big brought him in with the, with the French group, the yeah. French tour group. And he happened to be in Vegas, totally out of the blue. Yeah. He called Big, and Big told him what was going on, and he said, "Hey, come on, you know, surprise, oh, surprise the fans." And he's a hero over there. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. so he's I just got back from there. He's standing yeah. in the doorway, um, the hallway that leads into the Welcome museum. To the museum. <laughs> no, and, and nobody knew. They were all facing the stage. Oh, okay. The Motor Brew yeah. Lounge, yeah, uh, Saddleback Lounge, and yeah. uh, and then he just he was talking, and uh, Big was talking to the people about yeah. what was in, in French, and yeah. I'm kind of lost with that, especially with the implant, <laughs> and. JMB standing at the doorway, smiling. He waves at me, and I'm thinking, I didn't really even know he was going to be here. That's yeah. kind of a shock. Yeah. And then Big said some things in French about JMB, and you know they're all clapping. And, and then he points to the door, and they all go nuts. 
Yeah. You know, so he comes in, gives me a big hug. Hi, Greg, how you doing? And it was right, like, right. oh, my God. Yeah, so yeah. Another, oh, that's how cool a story is that, right? Those French people just lost it. Just like, oh, absolutely. It's like they're Jesus. Exactly. In the doorway. Exactly. Oh, that's funny. Um, what bikes uh, What bikes were the hardest to uh, to get, to restore, to get parts, to do it, like? Will will you know this one? Um, yeah, Tyron one twenty five. Yeah, I'm out. Yeah, I don't know what that is. They were three bikes sitting behind the Hondas. See how good your memory yeah. is. Yeah. On stands, call them bunder stands, um, and they all had chrome gas tanks. No graphics at all. And it, it were had they a, towards the door or the other end? Is towards the back of the building. Yeah. Okay. All right. So I, I've got pictures. I'll send them to you. But those were. I don't know why. It's just what were some, they? I don't even know. Like, it was. It was the uh, who made. Like, you know what's funny? It, it, since I've kind of stopped doing this, my memory has gone on to different things, <laughs> yeah, yeah. other things. But they were Tyrons, Talons, and I can't remember what the open bike was called. Um, but they were sold as I think kit bikes in England, America. Canada and Australia okay. under different names. Oh, okay. Um, one had a Husky 500 or 400 or 500 motor. The 250, I think, was a Yamaha, and okay. the 125 was a Zundap. <laughs> but it was neat the way they packaged the, them. And you could buy a bike and put your name on it if you're a company. Exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. you put your name on it and buy it. It's like Penton did with the KTM right, back right. in the day. Yeah. Huh. Um, okay. So, so, But they the, were just really esoteric, kind of bizarre-looking yeah. bikes. And where'd the, you get them, or how'd you... Um, Do you remember? We would put uh, put bikes on a hit list. Okay, Rick and I, and we would, you know, he would he would beat the bushes. I would do the eBay thing, and and you know, try to dig them up. And sometimes it ended up being we would buy three bikes to make one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that leads me to my next question: What's the hardest or furthest away place you got a bike from, or the most, the one that took you a long time to track down, or the the owner? didn't want to part with it? You know what I mean? What was farthest the... distance with Garrett Wolsink's collection? <laughs> okay. So um, you bought his whole collection of race bikes. All his stuff? bikes. Yeah. Um, you had Hannah's Works Yamaha in there too, right? You have a Hannah Works. No, Yamaha? that that was a that was actually a Works gas tank on a stock bike. Was that it? Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, but okay, so Garrett Wolsink, uh, Sweden? No, not Sweden. Uh, Czech? I think Holland. Holland, Holland. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Dutch. Yeah. Dutch dentist. Yeah. I think it was. He That's was. it. Um, That's right. So you you got it from that. Got him. Yeah, we brought the, all those. Had mm-hmm. to disassemble the bikes and had to put them all the back together at yeah. Vintage Iron when we brought them over here. I think that was the farthest. Um, Which the hardest one to get? Do you remember? Was there one a guy that played hardball with you, or was there one, you know, the, the, sort of a crown jewel thing that the, you had to have? Again, going back to the collector attitude. The collector attitude is the most important thing. The most, uh, the hardest thing to find is the current thing you're looking for. Doesn't matter what it is, whether it's a hard okay, rock pin yeah, yeah. <laughs> or whether it's a coffee cup yeah, yeah. or a Ricky uh, Carmichael um, toy from um, Toys R Us. Yeah. It's it's always the latest one you're right. going after. Um, there was a, um, I don't know if you remember it, the the, the first 250 the um, pink Harley Davidson, <laughs> the one with the forks on the back. Did you see no, that one? I don't think so. It doesn't ring a bell. Well, that was actually, it was... I, it may have actually been the first production bike with um, disc brakes, too. Okay. But it had forks on the back for rear suspension instead of shocks. Okay. So that was a rumored bike. There were maybe a dozen of them made. Yeah. Um, it, and, and, again, depending on who you talk to, it sometimes there was six that were made. Sometimes there was, a, you know, 18 made. Yeah. Um, 
guy ended up, I think, having six of them somehow. Wow. And he was assembling them, restoring them, and uh, so we lucked into that one. I know Tom White's got one as well. Um, Tom's got an amazing collection. Yeah, I haven't I, I'm seen, seen him, it. No, I haven't you, seen you it. I've seen to, pictures of you it. You need but... to talk to Tom. Yeah, yeah. Tom's a great guy to talk to. He's That guy's got more stories than, than <laughs> I would have in a lifetime. I was uh, once a dealer for them. I had a little shop growing up, and I bought from White Brothers. They were my main, main distributor. Um uh, most expensive bike you had, or what's the most? I don't know if you want to say how it's the most you paid for a bike. I think that actually the most I ever paid for a bike was twenty thousand, twenty five thousand. And what was that? Do you remember? I can't. You know, there were several that were that okay in I, that I, range. Let's put it this way: based upon all these guys being being my friends, I don't want to say so that I paid more for one oh, guy's I see. bike yeah, than yeah, the other. Yeah, right, right. Um, <laughs> They're gonna call you up. <laughs> we won't disclose that one. Right, right. Um, <clears throat> okay. Uh, um, uh, I guess, uh, what, what bike are you most proud of? What was the one that uh, came in as a basket case and you had to build it up or, you know what I mean? Like uh, one that was the hardest to, to finish, to get? Wow. Um, so probably a lot of them, I'm sure. Y- you know, uh, it's kind of like what's your favorite kid? What's your favorite <laughs> dog? I... Which, which kid would you rescue in a fire? <laughs> God, I, I'd rescue every one of them. Uh, um, um, I got I, it, yeah. I can, You know what? It, again, going through there, I, I had that question probably a million times. Yeah, people yeah. talking to me, yep. and and it was it was funny. It was it, it, going through there, just like you did in, in in your room here. Yeah. Every one of these things has a story. Yeah. The one, uh, the picture yep. with Lachine here. You you said it, it has the story. Yeah. Just think about that ten thousand times <laughs> plus three hundred sixty nine <laughs> bikes. Yeah, yeah. And. It's it's funny because it's if you're touching it, it seems to talk to you. When you you right. remember it, you see it physically. It's in front of you. It's something that you can touch and feel. Yeah. And that's why it's 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 sad. But a lot of my stories are kind of gone because of that. Because I would look in a in a in a one of the display cases and remember something that somebody gave me. Mm-hmm. And it was you know it's that's kind of all gone away. I wish had I done it a different way. Yeah. If I knew now what, if I knew then what I know now about yeah, it, yeah. everything else would have been documented because it would have made it a, 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 an experience ten times. Yeah, like like better. a little card or something, or a little story, yeah, or yeah. 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 Well, oh, well, everything. It, what we started <clears throat> to do was everything had actually a file. Mm-hmm. Um, in the past, it was run and race, and let's just get it done. Yeah, yeah. Um, and again, those stories kind of fall. They they start to fall behind. Yeah, you know, you start to forgetting yeah, well, things, well, especially with all the stuff um, you had. The um, the best way to do it, the always the funnest way to do it, was with a, a cigar and and a, and a motor brew walking the room with people. Yeah, yeah. Um, because it always got a lot easier, you know. Yeah. It, it, um, the stories seemed to come. Um, I'd remember them better. Yeah, looking at the at the piece. Uh, um, what about motor brew? What's the story with that? Uh, motor brew is still alive. Okay. It's still being brewed in Fresno, California, at the Sequoia Bar and Grill. There's okay. two locations there. One of my other good friends, my neighbor Scott Kendall. Um, is the owner, operator, and brewer. Um, still sell it at the bar, the Pale Ale. Still okay. sells well. Um, hops and barley are still taking a beating because of biofuel. And, I don't uh, know unless what, I, yeah, I don't even know what you just said, but whatever. Well, <laughs> <laughs> hops, barley. Beer are, and fuel. Wait a minute. I don't. <laughs> hops and barley. What killed us was we were, we were doing about 2,500 cases every brew. Was it making money? Was it doing No. Well? No. Okay. No. Okay. Um, <laughs> The way we were doing it, we were trying to build a fan base. We were, and, and it was very good beer. It was, yeah. Um, and uh, 
we got to the point to where it was actually selling at Bevmo's in California. Okay. Um, big liquor store chain there. Yeah. And it was doing okay. It was holding its own. Um, they were restocking, that kind of thing. That's what you want to look for. Right. Um, getting shelf space is very difficult in those places. Yeah, for sure. And um, if I remember the, the, the numbers right, we were buying hops and barley for like six bucks a bag. Mm-hmm. And because of biofuel, um, a lot of the guys that were growing this stuff decided it's better to do wheat and corn because they can sell it for biofuel for fuel, and make ah, more I money. Got it, I got it. Right. So, so all, your, all your distributors... Anheuser-Busch and uh, Coors, they decided to kind of corner the market on that stuff to keep the prices down. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it went to 60 bucks a bag or barrel or whatever the heck Scott was. So it got to the point to where we couldn't afford to do it anymore. Mm -hmm. So we still own the brand. It'll it'll resurrect its head one day. That'll probably be my next project. Then an obvious question, uh, one of the things I have, uh, how many times or have you ever been approached about Getting a race team going, being the guy. Uh, you know, you're a, you're a super fan, and uh, you can tell that. And so this would seem to be a natural thing. Have you ever thought about it? Uh, obviously, you've been approached, probably. My my daughters remind me of this every other day. <laughs> Why? Because what, what? they want they want to do a race team. Oh, they do. Okay. 18 I was going to say Brook and Alley. Um, I was saying that they would they would not want you to do a race team because then you could spend more money on horses or something. But no, no they, they want you to do a race team. They're done with horses. <laughs> they actually both competed with that and okay. uh, did very well with it. And uh, uh, but they're both sh- in college now. Surely and you've been approached a hundred times. Yeah, yeah. It, it it most likely will happen. Really? But it's going to oh, be okay. it'll it'll be the right time, right place. Yeah. Um, you can get in now, pretty cheap. <laughs> yeah, I. Riders, have you checked out Riders' salary lately? <laughs> I I think, and I I may be a little bit naive with this, but if 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 I were to do it, it would be to win. Mm-hmm. Um, I I can't imagine, and I still don't understand. <clears throat> I think it may have been a Racer X article that um, one of the Honda um, B teams, if we call it that these days, mm-hmm. um was talking about saying that Honda was happy with 16th, 17th, and 18th place. And I couldn't imagine being involved yeah. in it to do that. Okay. It's it's like, you know, going to the Super Bowl? Nope, we yeah, don't even yeah. care. You, you, I mean, and if you don't win, you at least want to be right in the mix. You know, there's teams Absolutely. that show up every week. God bless them. We need them in the industry. But there's teams that show up every week with just, I mean, the, the riders they just don't have the horses capable of, Putting it on the podium, well, I, you know, so. You know, I. I <laughs> Your buddy Jeff Ward just got involved with the team. I was surprised about that. I was really surprised. I think I think there's a lot of money to be made. I, I Frankly, I, I, with the people that I know that have teams, uh, Mitch Payton and mm-hmm. Troy Lee, and I don't know how they do it. Uh, I, I, well, I, I don't know if it. Well, Mitch has got to be making if, money from his team. I imagine I, it's, a, it's a profit business. I would guess <clears> Mitch. Mitch is probably yeah. maybe the only guy that really makes a good living yep. with the team. Yeah. Um, I mean, he. Uh, I think the key to do it is to figure out a way to do it. See, I, I've got a different view of Supercross. Mm-hmm. Supercross, if we go off on a tangent here, <laughs> you got probably eighteen guys that are going to be seventeen to eighteen guys that are always going to be in the main in right. both mains. Yeah. There's three guys, maybe six guys that go back and forth. What Depending the, on injuries, yeah. What yeah. is the point of doing that? It's To me, it's silly. So there's got to be a better way to do it. Break it down to where there's maybe ten guys in a race that are all in the same <laughs> speed bracket, if you can, <clears throat> if you will. 
have more championships, kind of like the Monster and Energy Cup, to where you have every yeah, race. You, yeah, you have a super mini champion, a lights 250 lights amateur champion. We had a 450 champion. We had three right. guys, right? I would do I would do a B class. I would a real amateur class. Mm-hmm. To where that they weren't doing all the triples and things like that. It was spe- specified, you can't do this triple. I don't care if you can, but you're not yeah, going to do you're it. Not, yeah, you're not to keep it. it safe, to make it easier for these guys to work their way into it. Because my belief is that, that motocross, supercross is 80, 85% confidence. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have confidence in this sport, you're nothing. I don't, yeah. I don't care whether you're, you're James Stewart fast. Right. If you don't have confidence, you're not going anywhere. Yeah. Um, you can be the fittest guy on the track. You're not going anywhere. You can be the most talented guy on the track. You're not going anywhere. Um, and I think that's one of the things that we bring in, you know, 10 to 20 new guys every year. Mm-hmm. And maybe one or two out of, out of them, uh, one or two out of that yeah. group are actually going to make a living doing this. Yep. The rest get beaten, broken up, and thrown away. Yeah, Quickly. I think that that's actually a very sad case of affairs. Um I think there's a better way to do it. I think that it's more exciting to where at least the, the Monster Energy Cup, the, uh, that race was so cool because. You liked it? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Every race meant something. Right. Now, if we had all the players in it, it would have been a lot more entertaining. Mm-hmm. But one race, bring it, race, you know, put it all into table today. Mm-hmm. Um, when, when you got a situation to where maybe three guys, five guys, at the max. Well, we had an incredible season this past year. Oh, amazing. Year. One of the best yet. But for years and years and years, it's been pretty much a, 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 a you know, we knew who, what was going to happen. Exactly. Chad Reed or James Stewart. Before that was Ricky Carmichael or Chad Reed. You know what I mean? Like it was. I, I think I think if we brought in some more classes, had all the qualifying earlier in the day. Yeah. I mean, let, let's face it. You got five to 10,000, maybe even 15,000 people showing up at 9 o'clock in the morning, mm-hmm. tailgating, hanging out all day, watching practice. At a lot of the larger stadiums and stuff, so it's there. You could make. I mean, the stadiums can make money. Right. Still doing this, section it off. You know, this yep. is the this is qualifying section. Don't open up the whole stadium. Open up some of your concession places. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, make it a big party. Have fun. They're doing that with the pits. Right. Well, um, it's been a long time thing for me. Assertion that, you know, we had McGrath winning everything for every year, um, and we had Carmichael winning every. And this is what led to, <clears throat> and no offense to the Nathan Ramseys of the world, but. The manufacturers were so desperate to win because there was only McGrath was winning everything that they start paying these 250F guys enormous salaries and keeping them down when they're more than good enough to move up because they want that precious title to advertise. In your theory, you're going to have three or four titles. I mean, everybody's going to have a chance. I I think I worked it out at one point in time. I've gone on paper somewhere that Mm -hmm. I think I could figure out seven to eight different championships. That actually meant something. Yeah, that a manufacturer do a, could do hang a, there. Do a yeah. senior championship. Right. You know, cap it out. You can only be this age group. Again, limit the jumps, but let's have some fun racing, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. Um, it may work. It may not work. Yeah. I, you know, I, I've, I, I've never actually put on a race, but I've been around enough to see yeah. to see what goes on out there. And, you know, you, you can sit back in, in some of the events. Just you might get one two good qualifiers and the rest it's just sit back and wait. Yeah. Yeah. Wait um, for the main event. Yeah. I mean I, I think I think there's that there should be something explored, you know. Do do one off a, a, a different race at every event next year, at every supercross. Yeah. See what happens. I've long told Dave Prater, who's a who's a friend of mine from Feld, uh, hey, do a chase style where the championship is in the last six races. Um have two have five races a year that are two ten lappers. 
I mean, I'm not talking radically change like what you're saying. Just try something, Dave. And so when the Monster Energy Cup came up, there was definitely some misses. They hit some, they hit some things, but they missed some things. But in my reports on the races, I gave it a good review because I would be a hypocrite. I'm, I'm glad they tried something different. You know, it didn't always work, but hey, good idea. Switch it up. Let's, I think we're thinking the same. The box, yeah, I mean. You know? You know, NFL guys used to wear leather helmets when they played. Uh, you know, the hockey rules have changed dramatically. Our sport, since 85, when they had they used to have two 12-lappers in 85, has been the same, Yeah, basically. Yeah. And let's let's try it. Let's switch it up. I, I, applaud, know, I applaud that. Yeah. Do an Iron Man <clears throat> series, mm -hmm. you know. Do something like that to where you get kids that are um, maybe going to try to qualify for both. 215, uh, the you know, 450 yeah. class. I yeah. still have a problem with that. <laughs> the, the, the lights. I'm not going to call yeah. it lights. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm with you. I'm glad Davey changed it to 250s and 450s. You know what I mean? Uh, motocross class. That, that's, yeah. There's been some <laughs> en en enormously bad decisions made in our sport uh, over the years, and that was one of them. <laughs> well, and it, it, again, to uh, be the ultimate optimist, it, it's still the greatest sport yeah. on the planet. I, I still love it. I still watch it all the time. And, uh, but I, I think it's it, I think it's time to start thinking outside the box. Let's let's look at doing something you know different. Mm -hmm. um, like I said, the senior class. There's still a lot of guys out there that are friggin' fast, and yeah. it'd be fun to watch. Yeah. You know, yeah. um, and and it would have to be a situation to where you. I know these guys don't want to get hurt. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. so to have right. some gentleman rules, if you will, and and. Uh, 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 no, I think that's all good points. Uh, uh, there's no doubt about it. And so I'm looking forward to the Greg Prim. Supercross motocross team, Jeff Ward as manager, Tony Baluti as crew chief. Is that one what, day. Is that what we're going to see? One day. You know what? I, 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 I want to get some other things done. Yeah. You know, my yeah. kids are in school and I uh, want to get them through that. And uh, right. and then maybe in three or four years, we'll see what happens. Yeah, that'd be interesting. I think it'd be exciting to, to – I, I like – and, you know, one of the guys that's in our sport is Mike Genova, who, who uh, made a lot of money in another industry, hot tub uh, accessories. And he just has a passion for the sport. So he's in it now. And I love – you can say what you want about Mike, and there's certainly people that say that he's a little out there. But I like talking to Mike because he gives me a reference point from – I'm so deep into this. It's all my life. It's all I've been doing. I like talking to Mike. Hey, what's it like being an owner who came from another whole world and you now you're in this world and you've, you're investing you know, probably millions of your own money? Oh, definitely what do you think? millions. What do you think, Mike? And you know, he's got a lot of great uh, – Thoughts on uh, team presentation, team promotion, uh, how, you know, maybe he needs to be more respected as far as what he's been doing for the sport, and, and some of them I agree with. And I love talking to guys like yourself or Mike who, from an outside perspective, you know what I mean? Like, I get so wrapped up into it. Like, I'm just like, oh, factory Honda, factory Cowie. But, like, you know, let's look at all these guys that are making the sport go around, you know, and let's open our minds up and let's think of some new ideas and let's, let's try some stuff. I'd love to see it, you know. Exactly. You know, it, one of the, the philosophies in Vegas is variety is the spice of life. That's yeah. why you go to a casino with a, a volcano in it and it has, you know, <laughs> lions and tigers and bears. Yeah. Oh, my. All of that kind of stuff. If you, yeah. That's what Vegas does. You know, you, you open your mind. And you say, well, can we have skiing here? Yeah, why not? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. And yeah. eventually somebody will. Right. Well, um, Mount Charleston, I guess. I don't know if you ski. Well, no, I'm so talking in a casino. Oh, yeah, yeah. We already have wave. <laughs> you can go surfing in a casino yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, so it's anything's possible. You just got to figure out right. how to make it happen. Uh, regrets, regrets about the the museum, or regrets about. Uh... Like I said, if if I if I knew what I know today, uh -huh. starting out, I think it'd still be here. I think it would be a viable business. I um, think. I think. Allow me to interrupt. 
If you had your museum in Southern California, you'd still be in business. And you'd be killing it. You know, I, I know what you're saying about Vegas. Everybody comes here, and you're right, but they only come here like once. You know, the Southern California. It, it's very possible. What do you think? It's, no? it's very possible. Yeah. You know, the, the, the funny thing about um, the funny thing about Vegas is everybody comes here once, and everybody w- wanted to see it when they came here. Mm-hmm. And like I said, we've we've had people from all over the planet that came to Vegas for like the Supercross, yeah. and part of the deal was coming here. Whether or not it would have made it. Um, Without Supercross, motocross, actual, you know, races here, mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, Southern California is very possible, but y- you got a lot of stuff going on down there. Mm-hmm. A lot of traffic, a lot of that kind of thing. The one cool thing about this, you remember the location, it was real simple to get to. Yeah. It was right off the strip. You could get there from any hotel on the strip in, in less than 20 minutes. Yeah, yeah. So that was very cool. So you had tons and tons, tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people right there. Right, right. That's so, true. Yeah. Um, one thing it wasn't it wasn't marketed very well, um, mm-hmm. at least through the um, casinos and things. There's a lot of casino hosts that if we would have connected with them, um, yeah, you know, to see the different things because a lot of mm-hmm. people they get bored, especially the but high end people they get bored gambling. Say uh, everybody who checks in for the U.S. Open at the MGM Grand gets a piece of paper that says, "Hey, yep, come come yep. by to the museum." We could we could have uh, had a shuttle going from the pits, you know, <laughs> things mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, uh, yeah, all of that was considered. Um, and again, you know, great thought, lousy follow through on my part. <laughs> I can follow my own sword on that one. Um, but uh, you know, I, I the one thing, and in, 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 on a personal note, the one thing that I'm a kid in a candy store. I've met literally all of my heroes right. in the sport. Um, Some of them disappoint you, though, huh? Yeah, yeah. The, I was just talking about this to somebody the other day. Absolutely, I'm, I'm the same way. But uh, you know, it's but the ones that I didn't think were going to be. Amazing, we're amazing. I'm and, with you, yeah. and yeah. and so uh, you know, one of my brother-in-laws is is a talent agent, and every time he says, "Hey, do you want to meet?" You know, and it's like, "Nah, I don't think so." Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I'd rather keep them as I know them as a right. as an actor, entertainer, and a, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, keep that uh, preconceived notion or whatever. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, That's cool. I've, yeah. I've had uh, a side note here. Um, the first guy that I ever actually. If you want to put it, a hero worship, non non stalking hero worship, <laughs> worship um, was Roger DeCoster. and I met Roger the <coughs> first time. He doesn't remember it, but I clearly do. Yeah. At I think it was a '73 LA Coliseum. Oh wow! Okay. He was up in the stands signing pictures, and it was I walked up and it, uh, I couldn't even form two words. Uh, see, I still I'm, have, I'm a little younger, so like Roger doesn't do it for me. Like he does it for a lot of people. Don't yeah. he, I mean Jody? I mean read a, read an MXA. DeCoster does it for 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 a certain bracket. For me, it's not that, but that's amazing though. Well, he, was the, yeah. he was the he was he was it, man. huh? Yeah. And outside of the sport, um, I'm I'm a very big supporter of the military. Mm-hmm. Um, love what these guys do. I think they're the people that I know in the military are all amazing individuals. And I I got the opportunity to meet the founder of SEAL Team Six. Oh, okay. And I actually had um, Dick Marcinko, founder of SEAL Team Six, and Roger DeCoster in my kitchen. And we were trying to formulate a plan back in, it was in the 90s, on how to get SEALs to train Team Suzuki oh, wow, okay. to become a team, yeah, to yeah. work together, yep. the mechanics, yep. uh, everybody. Right, right. And we, we were that close to actually making it happen. Oh, cool. Um, but again, to bring two different individuals yeah. together yeah. like that. And, right. and again, two of my heroes in the same room, it was like I, I could barely speak for probably the first 10 minutes. Right. But uh, it, it's... Uh, 
as far as that side of the museum goes, <clears throat> I wouldn't I wouldn't change mm -hmm. a thing yeah. because sitting there, you know, um, having a um, Roger DeCoster Motor Brew, yeah. which we had, a, it was a Hefeweizen style beer, sitting there with Roger having one of his beers with him on the label <laughs> with a picture of what I used right. to be, you know, he, he was my hero back right. in the day, right? I think it was at Carlsbad we had that on the label. And just sitting there talking to him, which yeah, yeah. It, yeah. it couldn't get any better than that. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, and that's cool. Uh, it's really cool that you appreciate that. And, uh, Absolutely. You know what I mean? And, and this is this memories is more powerful almost than any mid eighties RM one twenty five. Exactly. Had. Exactly. <laughs> I, I kept I kept twenty two bikes. Oh, you did? They're, okay. Uh, I was going to ask you that. Yeah. Un undisclosed location uh, near Area fifty one. <laughs> um, <laughs> So, uh, did you keep any memorabilia or I kept a little bit, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of the personal stuff, the, the bikes you kept, uh, ones that meant something to you or we had most an area expensive or how did well, you, we had an area called Greg's garage <clears throat> Okay. and Greg's garage was, um, replicas of bikes that Tony rode, my friend, uh, my best friend, Bill Buttram rode, mm -hmm. uh, my other best friend, Paul Pappas. Uh, do you know Paul yet? No. Uh, you get to meet oh. Paul. Um, anyways, um, I had I made replicas all of their bikes. Okay. And so we had an area kind of it was Greg's garage. It was my brother's bikes and Okay. So it was bikes 20, that really meant something, yeah. 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 It was all the stuff that we grew up riding and racing together. Right, right. And so that that's what I kept. Okay. Cool, yeah. Um so spans from my first Rup mini bike <laughs> all the way to my last bike that I raced and there was a um 86 CR 500. Oh, cool. Yeah, see and my Craigslist uh searches for restoring a bike have all been involved in bikes that I owned. You know, what I mean, I hopefully, hopefully, I'll find one. I don't know. We'll see, and then we'll work down that. But it is special when you race and ridden the bike. You're, you're a little bit more extra there, right? Well, with with your uh, friendship with Tony, he's the guy to have a look at it. Yeah, yeah. No, I know for sure. Uh, well, cool, man. Uh, thanks for uh, thanks for coming by. I appreciate it. Been a pleasure. I, I learned a lot, and uh, and uh, it's 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 sad to see it go, but uh, you know, it's cool that you've. I don't know. You seem very at peace with it and everything. Hey, you know what? It was it was hard to get over in the beginning, but now I'm happy. Yeah, yeah, exactly, right? Uh, Greg Prim, everybody, on the PTOsports.com Racer X podcast show. Thoroughly enjoyed this one. And, uh, and thanks again for coming by, man. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Steve Mathis Show. Search Pulp MX in the iTunes store to find the more than 200-episode archive or get the Pulp MX app for your iPhone for the complete Pulp MX fix.